It's great to be back with you. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, this week I'll be having uh, surgery on Friday, so that's, uh, appreciate your prayers and that. Um, it's been a couple of weeks off. So we started a sermon a couple of weeks ago that I was having a part two uh, for Acts chapter 16, and, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. Uh, we've been going through a series uh, for all of you that are guests with us today. We want to thank you for coming out, um, even for the online people. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, it's called One Team, One Dream. And as you are considering your Christianity, I think that um, if I was looking for a church, we even have a modern term called church shopping. If I was shopping for a church, I would want to go to a place that I can connect, right? I want to go to a place where I'm like-minded, what the vision is. And at Genesis Metro, we make it super simple that when you walk through the doors, you're going to be greeted, you're going to be welcomed, and you're going to, give, you're going to be given every opportunity to find a faith community to not just have a place that you belong, but to also have a purpose. And our purpose is super simple. We want to see <coughs> as many people saved as is humanly possible. So as many people that we can share the gospel with so that they can meet Jesus. And so long ago, uh, when I was uh, 14 years old, I'm um, actually 13 years old, um, I accepted Christ. And, and the thing about uh, my salvation experience um, that's different than a lot of people that go to church is that I received Christ before I had ever went to church. And so I had a basketball coach that came by my house and shared the gospel with me, and I'd never gone to church a day in my life. And I accepted Christ on that day, and I can't even tell you the difference, obviously, that it made in my life, that the joy of being forgiven of all my sins was an incredible experience. Eternity was changed in my life as a result of this decision. And so whenever you start thinking about your life is that God was really looking for me. It wasn't me going to the church to find the gospel. It was the gospel that was coming to find me. And whenever we think about that, we think that someone, in order for you to be sitting here today, someone had to come looking for you. Someone had to share the gospel with you. Someone had to serve their way to you in order to gain that opportunity to share his word. And, and so whenever we are thinking about Genesis Metro, all we're trying to do is follow that same example in the Bible. And in Acts chapter 16, a couple of weeks ago, we start the front half. And just to summarize, in case you didn't make it, um, Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas have been arrested for sharing the gospel and they uh, delivered a demon-possessed young lady. And, and as a result of that deliverance, uh, she was no longer profitable to her masters. And they got mad and they threw them into prison. And um, they threw them not only just into prison, but to the inner prison. And then they shackled them inside of the dungeon. And at the midnight hour, it says that they began to pray and to sing. And we talked about three weeks ago, how that their song was able to change the entire situation and how that we should not be selfish with our worship. That worship has the power to change your situation. It says that the earth quaked. It says that the doors, all of the prison doors flew open and then the shackles that bound them fell off. And we talked about how that was an incredible move of God. And so this week, we're going to be picking up 
where we left off, and we're going to see a, a jailer, the one that was in charge of the prisoners, we're going to see how he interacts with this story. And inside of that, I want you to begin thinking, here's the big question I want you to answer today, is uh, what is your Christianity for? What, what is the freedom that God has given you? What is the purpose of it? What is it for? What is your faith for? What, is the, what are the blessings that you have received? What are they for? What is the purpose of this life post knowing Christ? And I hope that we'll have a solid conclusion by the time we get to today's uh, message in. And so it says in Acts chapter 16, verse 27, it says, then the jailer woke up. And if you've ever worked the night shift, you know, man, there's, it gets hard. I mean, you just kind of find yourself nodding off. Have you ever driven a long ways through the middle of the night? Here is this prison guard and he's in the middle of the night shift and, and he is dozed off. And it says, then the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. In their line of work, in that day and age, if you lost a prisoner, it cost you your life. So instead of waiting for his higher up, his superiors, to put him to death, he was just going to save them the trouble and die on his own sword. And so this gets pretty interesting, and we're going to call this the perfection prison. The perfection prison. And I want you to start thinking about expectations whenever we start having these expectations of perfection. Because in a world system that is predicated on success, there is no substitute for success, right? You, you can't fail. Because if you fail, then you're considered a loser. <laughs> and I want you to start thinking about whenever you start having expectations of perfection, that perfection is your aim and anything less than perfection will be something that you are dissatisfied with. Imagine if you were a salesman and, and you said, I am going to close 100% of my sales. Imagine if you were a boss and, and you owned a company and you said, I am going to get it right 100% of the time on the people I hire. They will all be all stars. Imagine Imagine if you started thinking every day in my marriage is going to be perfect. The sex is going to be incredible. The, 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 the loving pillow talk. We're going to be best friends every day. Our children are going to obey all the time. Imagine that you set this utopian standard. How quickly would you become disappointed? How quickly, if perfection is the aim and anything less than perfection is ultimate disappointment, then pretty soon every day starts to be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe this person did, I can't believe, and I can't believe I have to go in, I, I gotta go where, I gotta, I gotta go, get in there. I gotta do this marriage again, I gotta go on this date, I gotta go parent these children again. You, you start thinking about it, that whenever this jailer saw all these doors open, right, he made an assumption. He, made, he came to a conclusion, a reasonable, might I, might I say, conclusion. That if a prison, all of a sudden, every door opened, there would be a prison break, right? Like what prisoner wouldn't run if the doors opened? And so he came to a conclusion 
And that conclusion did not take into account a variable, the variable of God, the variable of grace. And so I started thinking about people that live in a perfection prison where if they make a mistake, they ultimately doom themselves that without God and without grace, how many people are living in a doomed lifestyle, like where they feel this fatalism on a daily basis that when things don't go the way that they expected them to go, it's like all of their demeanor and all of their attitude falls beneath the pit and now they start trying to drag everyone and everything down in it, the perfection prison. I wonder, I wonder if anyone in here in this great Frisconian one percenter uh, Area. I, want, I just wonder if anyone lives in that perfection prison because that guy drew a sword and he was ready to end his life because he had failed. I just wonder how grim is our prospects without grace in our lives. I hope that you understand God's grace. I hope that you have made room for God's grace in your life because if you haven't figured it out yet, there's going to be more that goes wrong than goes right. And it's not going to be fair. And if you expected fair and you got married, <laughs> whoa, whoa. If you expected fair when you had children, <laughs> oh, whoa. If you expected fair from your in-laws when you're negotiating holidays, that's like negotiating with terrorists. I mean, it's, it's just the way that it is. And if you don't have any room for grace, then I'm going to tell you, you're going to be a miserable person. Grace, not only for yourself, but for others when they make mistakes. It says that Paul shouted. It's like somehow... He knew, like this guy's still on the outside, right? But somehow he knew, I don't know, it's a God thing, right? He said, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Now that's crazy because you could say Paul and Silas, they're godly, right? They're good Christians and we'll get to the incredibleness of that in just a moment. But the other guys in the prison... They weren't there for preaching the gospel. They were there because they were bad people that did bad things, all right? And all of a sudden, your shackles fall off and your prison door flies open. What are you going to do? You are, you're, you are definitely out of there. So you have to say that on a God level, something was going on because that's not natural. That's not normal. Paul says, don't hurt yourself. We're all still here. Now, later in Paul's life, as he's a prisoner in Rome and he's writing letters to the churches, he actually wrote a commentary on this type of lifestyle. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 9, 19. It says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Why? Why? What was our purpose? To win as many as possible. We're going to call this point here because I want to be here because I want to be. I'm going to tell you right now that selfishly, 
I am not here because I should be. I am here because I want to be. <laughs> there is a lot of pain going on right now inside of my body, and I probably should not be here, but I'm here because I want to be. Whenever the prison doors opened up, they were no longer there because they had to be. They were there now because they wanted to be. Now, why is that? Somehow they were saying that we do not want to use our freedom for ourselves. So many times whenever God blesses us in our Christianity today, we look at that as something for us. I mean, we would have, if, if it had been most of us, and I'm going to say probably me too, because I am, I'm not a super Christian. All right. I aspire to be, but I'm not. I would have said, man, I'd have been kicking it with the homies back at Bethesda or something. Right. And I'd have been like, dude, the jail shook and the doors flew open and dude, my shackles fell off. And I was like, thank you, God. And I ran, Woo! I got out of there. And like, surely that had to be God. What happens when we start interpreting everything that's going on around us, that it's for us? What if I told you that your blessings are often not even for you, that they're for others? What if you're consuming your freedom for yourself? Here is a soul that is at stake. And Paul said, I've learned that my freedom isn't for me. That the blessings are not for me. Because even though I am free, I make myself a slave, a servant to everyone around me. It's almost like you could summarize that as a Christian statement and say, it's all about people. Just like Genesis Metro says, it's all about people. It's not just that we made up a catchy slogan. That's what Paul's gospel said. That my Christianity, once I'm saved, yes, I want to be discipled to gain information, but that information has an aim, and that aim is to see more souls saved. It's not just an exercise in gathering more information. It's not just an exercise in doing good. It's at saving souls, as many as we possibly can. So oftentimes, I think that people fail to understand that for following after Christ, it's almost like in marriage, whenever you stood before the altar, if your pastor or priest did it correctly, they always say, for better or worse, don't they? Right? For better or worse. You know why they say that? Because there will be better and there will be worse, right? There will be. What if we looked at our relationship with God and ministry? I just don't know a lot of people that are willing to say for better or worse. For better or worse. I mean, we can, let's be honest. Like, there's probably like 100 people not here today because why? It rained. Like your car don't work when it rains. God takes Sundays off when it rains. I mean, people come up with the most flimsy excuses for why they don't do things for God. Think about that, for better or worse. Don't we need some believers that have a for better or worse faith? That they have for better or worse in ministry, for better or worse in marriage, for better or worse in parenting, for better or worse as an employee that I'm willing to sacrifice in order to serve others? What if, I'm just spitballing here, 
What if our Christianity became consumed with how we could serve others? Instead of saying that I'm looking for a breakout for myself, I'm looking for a breakthrough for others around me. What if, what if that's the message inside of this sermon? What if, what if that is the aim? And so you then begin asking yourself, how many people have been set free as a result of your faith? The next question we'll ask, it says, the jailer called for the lights. He rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and he asked the most poignant question that you'll ever ask in all of your life. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved. So let's break down 29 first, and then we'll get to 30. Verse 29 begs this question, is your Christianity causing other people to become curious? Is the commercial that you're living causing them to become curious? He said that he called for a light. And so I don't know if you saw any of the highlights yesterday. Did y'all see that Tennessee beat Alabama in like dramatic fashion that Utah eked it out against USC. Oklahoma State sadly fell. There was a lot of big games and highlights. And I'll guarantee you that some of you got the highlights from Twitter or TikTok, Instagram, wherever, and you forwarded it and you said, did you see this? You need to see this. As a matter of fact, some of you, you are the person that constantly sends the things. You're like, Check out this cat video. You got to see this. And nine times out of ten, I don't need to see that, right? That's dumb, right? And I do it too. I guarantee you, our staff will tell you, man, I find some TikToks out there and I just got to forward them on. I just want, whenever we see something that's incredible, whenever we see a highlight, Tennessee, they haven't beat, I believe it's 14 years or something like that. They tore down the goalposts. They threw them in the Tennessee River. It was amazing as they rushed the field. And so whenever you see something amazing, you say to other people, you got to see this. You got to see this. And as this Philippian jailer heard that there were no prisoners that had ran, had run. There is no prisoners that escaped. It says that I got to see this. He said, get a light, get a light. And it says that he rushed in, right? Whenever you figure out for the first time, and maybe someone, the light bulb is going to come on for you today. Whenever you figure out that you need help, all of a sudden, something inside his soul said, there's something in there. Now think about that for just a moment. That is the most unlikely place that you could find the answer to purpose and redemption in your life, right? The inside, the innermost part of the prison, as the day started and as the shift began that night, there's no way in the world he was thinking before this moment that the answers that I've been looking for all my life was inside that prison. And yet somehow his soul, right, was being drawn was being drawn. I'm telling you, God was looking for you. Genesis Metro was looking for you long before you were looking for Genesis Metro. Some of you were drawn to this church and you couldn't even explain why you were drawn to this church. Is there better churches? Is there bigger churches? Is there churches that have better worship, better preaching, whatever? Yeah, 
But I'm going to tell you right now, we are the friendliest church in Frisco, Texas. We, we love people. We love people. And if you give us half a chance, we'll prove it to you that we love people. And so here is Paul and Silas and all the prisoners are in there. And this guy is in a hurry to get to help. Because when you're going through a moment, when he had the sword out, and all of a sudden you realize that whenever you're going through a season when you're down, whenever you're going through a season when it's dark, whenever you are hitting the rough waves inside of the relationships, well, you'll be in a hurry to get to church on those days, right? Let your health be touched and you'll be in a hurry to get to help. Let your children start to struggle, and you'll be in a hurry. You won't miss a Sunday because you know that you need it. You know that they need it. Here is this man, and he's rushing inside to get to the very men that he had just beaten and shackled. And he has this urgent question. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Their character and conduct, the song that they were singing and the prayers that they were praying had enticed him. He was now curious, how in the world could this paradox being put forth? What, what does it mean? Who is this God that they know? Because I don't know what they know. I don't have what they have. And that makes me ask you this question. How many people are buying the Jesus that you're selling? How many people are more curious because of your conduct? I think how many souls are being lost because our Christianity is not very curious. Because if we just act and react like someone who doesn't know Jesus, then why in the world would they see something different inside of us? Maybe your freedom isn't for you. Maybe your freedom and your blessings are for the people around you. The question is asked. And then Paul and Silas reply, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. If you walked in here today not knowing the answer to that question, what must I do to be saved? And just to define terms, when he said, what must I do to be saved? He meant, what must I do to be forgiven of all of my sins? What must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to become a son of the living God? What must I do to have purpose that is bigger than this world that moves on into the eternal ages? What must I do to have redemption for the mistakes that I have made? What must I do to be saved? And we have to say, what is their answer? Believe in the Lord Jesus. They didn't say, hey, you need to become a good Baptist. You need to become a good Catholic. You need to be a good Church of Christ. You need to make sure you take communion. You need to make sure that your good outweighs the bad. You need to serve down at the local, you know, volunteer shelter. 
somehow we've corrupted Christianity to where it's more than just Jesus. And I'm going to tell you what Paul's answer was, was it's Jesus. If you want to know how to be saved, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It's not Jesus and something else. It's just Jesus. Trust me, you don't want to have any portion of the problem. You don't want it to be Jesus and if you live good enough, because guess what? You aren't going to live good enough to be saved. I'm not going to live good enough to be saved. My sin is always going to discount all the good that I do. So where must my trust be? It must be in Jesus and Jesus alone. How can I be secure? Because it's in Jesus and it's not in my hands. Paul was very clear in his answer. It says, Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into the house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his household his whole household. Instant life change. Instant life change. Think about that. He was beating these guys, throw them in there, shackle them up. And now in a span of an hour, two hours, the guy that was hurting them is now helping them, washing their wounds. What an example for us as Christians. I just, I just want to ask you, has there been that type of life change in you? Where the people that you have every right to hurt, that you have every right to hate, that you have every right to take your revenge on and get drawn into the cesspool of negativity, that when you add Jesus to your equation, now all of a sudden you can help you can not just forgive, but be proactive and actually do something. Help them. Help them. So it's not only that, he was baptized. He wanted the world to now know whose team he was on. It's so like, man, I, I made this decision and now I'm going to go public. I want the world to know. Some of you are living closet Christianity. Some of you, you, you have... No one around you is aware that you are a lover of Jesus, right? Because you're saying, oh, well, I don't want to, I don't want to, it might cost me, I might, I might hurt their feelings, they might feel judged. So you're willing to gamble their eternity on the fact that it might cost you something? I think it would be better for you to be uncomfortable and share Jesus in a loving way and them have an opportunity to answer life's most important question, what must I do to be saved? Not only did he go public with his faith, it says that he invited them to his house and gave them a meal. Now, can you imagine this conversation with his wife? It's like roughly 2 a.m., I'm assuming at this point, 3 a.m., and like he doesn't have a cell phone to text, you know, he shows up. It's like, hey, honey, I brought some people home from the prison that I was 
Could you, could you whip something up? This is, this is Paul and Silas. That would be a tough sell. You gotta, you gotta admit, tough sell. All of a sudden, his stuff became available to someone he had never met. Instant life change. It's no longer my stuff. It's not my house. This is now the Lord's. And I just wonder, as you sit in your castles with your alarm systems and your ring doorbells, some of you are kind of militia types with all your weapons too. This is Texas. I just, I just wondering what vibe are you putting off? Is your house open? Is your stuff available? Or is that for you? Is that, as you're sitting out by the pool, the heated pool now, we don't even just have pools that are like, you can't sleep in the winter. No, no, no. We can heat the pool. Turn on the hot tub. And I'm not saying that God doesn't bless us with nice things. I'm just saying, is that for you? Or is that for you to use? to share what he has done for you. I'm just saying, when's the last time your house was open to host a life group? Man, I can't even tell you, getting people to host life group, like, oh, people are gonna judge me in my house. No one cares. And if they do, you don't want them at your house anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying, when's the last time you invited a neighbor over just to share a meal? And I promise you, somewhere along the way, if your faith is a part of your life, it's going to come up inside of the conversation. You're not trying to be militant. You're not trying to shove Jesus down. Man, I promise you, whenever someone is desperate and they've been through the desert and they're looking for water and you're living a life of love and joy, they'll ask you how you got it. It says the last part there, we see generational change. He was sitting there at his table. It says he was filled with joy because he had believed and all of his household had believed. Man, can you imagine how that day started compared to how that day ended? How he's sitting there like, my whole family believes in God. My kids believe in God, my wife believes in God. I couldn't be more ecstatic. I just hope that everyone in here has that. And if you don't, couldn't you start today? You say, Tim, what would I need to do? I think we made it pretty simple. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus. And he will change not only your situation, but the beauty of it is, if you'll become consumed with it, he'll use your life to save souls. And there is nothing better and nothing more important in what we do than to see people come in here far from God and hear a life-saving message that they maybe even never considered, never contemplated. They just came to be nice because someone invited them but they leave with eternity in their hearts. I hope for any skeptic that's gone through a dark season, today you would consider the variable that God's grace 
could make all the difference. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you help us, God. Help us, God, to consider our Christianity and are we living it clear enough and obvious enough that other people want to know your son. I pray, God, for every family in here that they might take an evaluation of how they use the freedom that they possess and the blessings that they've been given. God, that they might consider how can they share more of their blessings so that others can find the truth. God, I pray for every person that has received Christ and has believed in the Lord Jesus, that their joy might return if they've lost it. There is no way in the world if Jesus is alive in you and you're letting him be the Lord of your life that you can be angry, that you can be bitter, that you can be constantly critical. Today, you're choosing that. You're choosing that. If you would just choose differently, if you'd let grace replace all of those things in your life, you could get out of that prison you've put yourself in. Today, we'll worship for you. Would you stand with us and worship?